This is KP. And this is Kai. And, and this, this is You Had Me at Fraud. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker, commenter, expert, or host. They do not explicitly or necessarily reflect nor represent the podcast's policies or views held by this podcast. The podcast or its channels cannot be held accountable for all or any views expressed during this podcast. And as always, listeners, discretion is advised. We have another episode, and this one, y'all, is kind of special because we doing somebody. Uh, what would you say, girl? You know it's okay. true. Okay, we're sorry. not doing that no more. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck in my head. We're doing a group that is heavily known in the streets. As for girl, you know it's true. I thought we were okay. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. We got that Millie and that Vanilli. Yes, coming straight at you. Coming straight. But before at we ya. start that, oh, I just wanted to say mm-hmm. we need to figure out a name for our fans. Can we call it? You know it's true. All right, <laughs> stop, 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 y'all. Stop, stop. Mm-hmm. You know what? Let's stop. She cannot get the their song out of her head because we were researching it so much that it's stuck in her head. But tell us what you think. Comment, comment. I just comment on our Instagram or our TikTok, or you can also email us at you had me at fraud at gmail.com and tell us what you think the name of our fans should be called. I would think it's something like scammers. Like, hey, scammers. But I feel like that's so plain. Like, we could think of something You gotta put, you can't say, hey, scammers. Just say, what's up, my scam fam? Scam fam. I like that. (laughs) But tell tell us what you think. And now we are on to this story. Today... Today, we are doing Millie Vanilli. <sighs> and I'm going to start off, as I always do, by telling you a little bit of their backgrounds. So, Millie Vanilli was made up of two guys by the name of Rob and Fab. Also um, pronounced Fribri. Yes. So, Rob was born on June 8th, 1965. So, what does that make him? Oh, you're giving me the math problem. Yes, I am. June 8th. 1965? Oh, he's um 56 now. 
No. Uh huh. He's his sign. Oh, I thought you meant his age. <laughs> <laughs> What's June eighth? Oh. You yeah. said that's a Gemini. <laughs> yeah. So we have a Gemini, and he's fifty six. Yes. <laughs> and he was born in New York City. He was born to a U.S. soldier father and a oh, German he mother. He would be fifty six. Yeah. As a baby, he was adopted by a German family because he was put up for adoption. Well, actually, we don't really know the details of that. Yeah, because it said that his father was black and in the military and his mom was a a white German. I mean, no, a white American woman. German. The father was American. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't. But then they said that he was adopted. Yeah. But we don't know if... These were his biological parents and not that they were um, describing. Yeah, because you know in the military, they probably traveled all over. So I'm guessing that's how they was in New York. And that's maybe where the father was from, maybe? Probably. Or a station or something. And then somehow they ended up back in Germany where he something happened. I wonder what happened. We couldn't find any details of what happened to the family to where he ended up in a German with a German family that wasn't his parents, right? So, during the mid-90s, he worked as a break dancer, a model, and even a backup singer for the group Win. Now, Fab, a.k.a. Fabrice. Fabboy. Morvin. Morvin. That was his last name. Was born on May 14th, 1966, which made him a Taurus. Taurus. Yeah, I mean, I know one of those. And he was born in Guadalupe. Guadalupe. He was born in Paris, France. And his Hold up, how was he born? No, his parents was born in Guadalupe. Yes. And he was born in Paris, France. Yes. Okay, yes. His parents was born in Guadalupe, and he was born in Paris, France. At the age of 18, though, he moved to Germany where he danced and modeled. Catalog models. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it even said that he was influenced by hip-hop, funk, soul, and pop music. So they have pretty much similar backgrounds even before they became, knew each other. They like both model, they both dance, so. They were both catalog models. I wonder right. if that's where they bumped into each other at. No. A JCPenney model. So we stop. <laughs> <laughs> No, they did. <laughs> they actually met in a Paris nightclub, where, they, and they decided shortly after that they wanted to form a rock soul group called Empire Bazaar, and <laughs> they formed a rock soul group called Empire Bazaar, and their first single was called. Oh, Dance. Yes. Their first king single was called Dance. I felt like I was being quizzed and I called the teacher <laughs> called on me. <laughs> so the duo bonded over similarities because, like I said, they were dancing and modeling. And they, they also said that they figured they had, you know, everything in common and they bonded so well because they were both black living in foreign cities where it was really pretty much no other black people could do. It was also said that Rob was the more outgoing loud one. That's yeah. me. Yeah. And my sister. I mean, I would say my sister. <laughs> and they said that 
Fab was more of the reserved, quiet one. Yes. My sister. I'm only quiet until you get to know me. <laughs> but, so, later on they reunited in Germany where they attempted to find work as backup dancers. And then they formed their own act and recorded an album for a small German label that sold a few a few singles. They were said to be living in poverty though, even though they were doing all this and that only forced them to you know, get out there more. Yeah. And work on their dreams cuz they both wanted to heavily be stars. Pop stars. Yes. Okay. So now we're going to get into how the they became the group Amele Vanille. So, okay, so Frank Ferrier was a music producer. He uh, heard of a band or I guess like a, a rap group that was in Annapolis, Maryland. And it was a song called, what was the song called? Good was it good? No, it's true. How could I forget that? I've been singing it all night. <laughs> um, he liked the song, so he went ahead and did some touch-ups to it. Yeah, he recreated the whole song pretty much. Yeah. And he actually made it heavier and bigger. Yes. So he found some people that he liked to to sing it. He didn't like the look though. So what he did was he's he was about to create his own little project of let me use these voices but find the look that I want to go with yeah the vocals with the sound. And one night Rob and Fab was out at a nightclub performing and he said, "Oh, this is the look that I want." They actually were at, not even a nightclub, they were at a carnival. Yeah, and they were performing, yeah. and that's what he said that he liked. He liked that look. So, he introduced himself, and he wanted them to go ahead and, you know, sign with him. And, you know, them being starving artists, yeah, we'll go ahead and we'll sign this. The contract was $4,000 is what they got paid which my sister researched and she said that nowadays would be like 14,000, but that still isn't a lot. So they went out and got themselves new clothes. They went out and got themselves extensions because they wanted to have a distinct look because they felt that Bob Marley, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis Presley all had their own distinct look and it was always based around the hair. So, they got all that, looking all snazzy, pizzazzy, go into the uh, studio to record, and they're excited to, to record, but unfortunately they found out that they weren't going to be recording. The song was already recorded. Yes. So, they were upset about this. Yeah. They wanted to get out of the contract, and Frank was like, baby, you want to get out of this contract, you got to pay us that 4000 back. Mm-hmm. Well, they couldn't pay that. One, they didn't have the money to pay it back because they went out and got all these new stylish threads or whatever you want to call it, hair extensions, Close. and they was already broke. 
So it was broke before they got the four four thousand. It was broke after they got the four thousand. Mm-hmm. So they their contract stated that they had to produce four albums. So obviously they had to do that. They couldn't get out the contract. But at the same time, the contract was unclear. They didn't know because they didn't have the legal research. They didn't have a lawyer to look over the contract, nor did they read the contract. The contract wasn't clear, so they could have voided it, but they didn't know that. So they were stuck like Chuck. Yes. Uh, You know what? They also didn't know that their contract also had NDA, which is non-disclosure, um, a contract attached to it. So this prohibited them forever meeting the true vocalists of the song. So even though they were lip syncing to these vocals, the contract prohibited them forever meeting who was actually singing it. And it had it on everybody. So nobody could meet each other. And that was completely against, you know, the contract if they ever did. And also if they wanted to, get out of this contract, which they didn't know they could do the what they was doing. Yeah. Each time they got paid. So when they did performances and they was getting paid, if they wanted to get out of that contract, they would have to pay that money back as well. Mm-hmm. So they was really in it. It was like a, a, a constant circle. Yeah. So ending up in there, uh, ending up in it, they recorded the song. And pretty soon, they were, you know, making, they made, they recorded the song, Girl, you know it's true. And it became a big hit to where it charted. And this got the attention of Arista Records. And Arista was like, you know what, we really like this song. So they actually redid the song to appeal more to the American the American yeah, audience. And they actually redid that album where they actually credited Rob and Fab. Which, remember, before that, they they weren't credited. They weren't nothing because Ferrier, he owned all the masters. And he made it to where they would, they would receive what? Well, how much percent was it? He was making a big percentage. I think yeah. he was, it was 60%. Yeah. Was it 60%, I think? Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he got full control over the songs, the publishing, all of that. So. And, oh, also for those songs that, that he was recording, it was a singer and a rapper. But then the rapper was the one, what's his name? Oh, my gosh. His name was Charles. Charles uh, Shore. Yes. He did not want anybody using his his lyrics, his right. voice. And that's the and, rapper, yeah. Yeah, Ferrier was like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah, they was going to have to hear about him later on because Brumman was not playing yeah. at all. Even though the singer, he was like, okay, they can use my vocals. But yeah, Charles was like, no, he cannot. He well, Who was the rapper in the group? That was, was Charles. I'm no, talking about Emily Vanelli. I don't know. I'm not I think it was <laughs> no, it was, was um Fab. Fab was the rapper. So yeah. So y'all, y'all must be wondering. At this time when Arista took over and they redid it to the American market, they reached they already had 
two Euro singles, an album on the top of the charts, and a U.S. hit. And at this point, they were too wrapped up in the group to leave. So they got actually, what, how would you say that? Starstruck or... They they got so big that they fell in love with it basically. So oh, they, yeah, at this point they didn't care. care. They was like, you know what, we famous now. We making money now. We're but at the same time they was they really was inferior. Like was paying their rent and stuff like that because you know they were like we got a hit blah blah blah. So on Arista they actually reached up to number two on the Billboard charts. Also, and number one, they had a number one hit on July 1st, 1989. July 21st, 1999, they performed for a theme park for MTV in Bristol, Connecticut. And during this performance, but it was a, um, and they were performing, girl, you know, it's true. Yeah, at a and theme at park. At one yeah. point, there was a part where the tape got stuck because remember they lip singing the whole time and it got stuck going girl you know it's girl you know it's girl you know it's and rob said it happened about almost 15 times and he kept saying it but after a certain point he was like you can't say it about 80 times and he ran off the stage and one of the uh mtv t uh mtv hosts had um went back she was trying to talk him into coming back out there. And it took them a while. He was cursing. He was mad. He was upset. He was embarrassed. All these emotions. But he went back out on stage. And he performed. And it was like the crowd either didn't notice or they didn't care. And they loved it. Unfortunately, of course, reporters are going to be there. Uh, TV show. Like, you know, people that are in the media are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And... It went viral. Like when I say it went viral, we're old school viral. People was making fun of them left and right. And it's crazy because the audience didn't even care. Yeah. And even though, you know, at the time certain reporters were reporting it, they were on their third single and it was at the top of the charts regardless. Charles Shore, though, made another comeback. This time he to publicly shame Robin Fab, calling them imposters and fakes, and said that uh, they hadn't sung a single note in any of their songs. Mm-hmm. And later they retracted and said, later he retracted and said it was a publicity stunt and was paid off $155,000. Yeah, but um, by Frank, and that happened February 21st, 1999. So that happened a year. No, more than a year after. Yeah. But he was pretty upset. And at this point, it was to the point where Millie Vanilli, they were, or Rob and Fab were like stressed. They're like, okay, are we going to get caught? Is this really, are people really going to believe this? What's going on? What's going to happen to us? Yeah. And you know, at this time also, the pressure was on because... They had just won three American Music Awards, and on February 21st, 1990, they won Best New Artist at the Grammys. So, of course, now, you know, you went in a Grammy, you know you did not sing not one word on any of these albums. Of course, you're going to feel some type of way. And they weren't the only people feeling some type of way. Rolling Stone named them the worst act 
1999. And they named Girl You Know It's True the worst album. Rob even said, came out with a very arrogant statement saying that they were more famous than Paul McCartney and they were more famous than Elvis. And then, <laughs> and skits were starting to come out making fun of them. So one skit was on In Living Color where they were mocking them and David Letterman even did a skit on them as well. And it's crazy because they actually had talent. They could sing. Mm-hmm. They could sing really well. It's just that Frank was like, that's not what I'm having. And they wanted to sing, too, in the beginning. Yeah, they yeah. wanted to sing. I, I, I'm guessing, like, maybe, like, Frank said was a yeah. project. But at the same yeah. time, I think he didn't want to start fresh from new artists. He just was like, just give me the look mm-hmm. and give me the money. Yeah. But you know what Frank did? Frank Furrier threw them under the bus to the press. Mm-hmm. He said he told he told the press that they were horrible, and even their label Arista had abandoned them. And he also made it seem like he wasn't the one that came up with the lip singing thing mm-hmm. when that was his idea the whole time, an idea that they didn't even really want to agree to. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, they were let go from the the label. Luckily. Yep. So, Robin Fab, they, you know, to prove themselves, they ordered a press conference. Because they were like, look, y'all, we, we, we know what we're doing. And during the press conference, they ended up singing impromptu in front of everybody. And they even offered to give back their Grammy. And at this time, this had never happened in Grammy history where they were, their Grammy was taken. And not only that, it was never awarded to anybody else in history. I mean, it was never awarded to anybody else. And Robert Fab actually went on to do their own work under their real vocals. And also, while all this is happening, you have what I call fake fans that wanted to sue mm-hmm. Millie Vanilli. Uh, one guy even went as far as saying uh, <laughs> he he was he was scarred because he went. He looked up to them, and that he was when he listened to when him. he listened to the music. He was visualizing. Look, he would look at his poster of them, and he would visualize them singing. Now you sound crazy to me. Obviously, he didn't win the I case. I used to do that, but still, <laughs> I used to do that with the boy bands you when sound, I was in back in. You, I understand that, but you want to sue for for it? Guess what? That was he your was imagination. Trying to get some money. He was trying to get some money. The though. voice he was said, a, "This is a my chance." The voice was an imagination. <laughs> You imagine them singing to you was imagination. No, sir. The The court said uh, dismissed. So he didn't win. And the other people that tried to sue him didn't win. Mm-hmm. But what they did do was if you had a single and you reported that was from them, you got a dollar. Something else. If you was, it was like a cassette of something. They was like two fifty. Yeah, they got and, two fifty. And something else was like $3. Yes. So... Some people reported it didn't add up to be a lot of money. And then also on top of that, they said they wasn't even sure if the people got their money or not. Right. And actually the fees added up to a total of Mm $675,000 in total of damages. So it had to be a lot of people then. Yes. Because that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. So after this, Robert Fab, they did an album under their own vocals by the name of, I'm sorry. 
Let me retract. Farrier created a group of the original vocalist called the Real Millie Vanilli. So he was trying to, what do you call, publicize make another fraudulent their downfall by making you know the group but you know what it was a flop they didn't get they didn't didn't chart they barely charted in germany it didn't chart at all in the u.s and then think about it millie vanilli wasn't the first group he's done that with Mm -hmm. there was another group i can't remember the name yeah he did a group before them and i'm just like he was like they were successful i can make millie vanilli successful too but the thing is, like, what about the people that's actually singing? Like, yeah. you just... They in the background, You don't like, like the way they look, so you're going to use somebody else. That's messed up. Yeah. And actually, what we didn't mention yet is Rob and Fab actually really did record... Yeah, they did. ...for Farrier. The, girl, you know, it's true. In the beginning, but he didn't like how they sound. So... <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so Robin Fad toured under their own songs they were doing, but while they were touring, they started becoming under the influence of drugs. And although Fab seeks Fab help. seeks help and you know stop, Rob was having a little bit more trouble and actually used the drugs as a coping mechanism. And They they did did their new album through a lower end like label, mm-hmm. and actually they only sold two thousand copies, and both Rob and Fat received you know during this time therapy for depression. Mm-hmm. Rob took it worse though and ended up feeling like he wanted to end his life, and he ended up calling up the L.A. Times so they could record his last words. Yeah, he was actually trying to jump off yeah. um the balcony of his hotel. Mm-hmm. And he was he was he was done. He was done with the embarrassment. He was done with uh not being as successful as he wanted to be, as successful as he was being Millie Vanilli. Like mm-hmm. it just And he was also receiving his family was receiving threats. Yeah, his family was receiving threats. He was trying to help take care of his family. Yeah. He was, you know, he even the people that even his fans he felt like he hurt his fans and it wasn't even something that they both really wanted to do but when they were starting to get paid and being taken care of it was just like okay i like this and this is a way of my me being able to survive as well right right because they was like struggling yes don't make it right but no maybe they felt forced i have no clue rob was actually put on 72 hour suicide watch after this and the duo duo went back to record you know another album with farrier which is crazy especially since he threw them under the bus and they said it seemed like they were doing a deal with the devil so by this time rob seemed to be getting a little better but he was still dabbling in drugs and he was actually arrested for assault and robbery and that time in prison. Now you know it's getting bad when you start robbing yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah, it's just <laughs> getting scary. Yes. So on April 2nd, 
1998, unfortunately, Rob was found dead of an alcohol and drug overdose. And his death was labeled an accident. Yeah, I'm... It didn't... Oh, God, I want to say Millie Vanilli so bad. Fab. Didn't Fab end up doing, like, some solo work after? Yeah, so Fab actually ended up doing a solo album. He actually worked with the original rapper from his original song. Oh, wow. Um, who, um... you know, it's not the one who was talking about trash, but the one they replaced. His name was... His name was... John Davis. Yes, John Davis. Yep. And him and John Davis worked together and they made music together and even formed a little group. That's right. Yep. And he still, to this day, performs Millie Vanilli Greatest Hits. That's sad because that was like his, that was his friend, that was like his brother and he lost him. Mm-hmm. That's so sad. Yeah. And I know this was like, you had me at fraud and like Millie Vanilli was the fraud, but honestly, were they the fraud or were they the Faria victim? was the fraud. Faria was the fraud. But I guess they can be counted as because even after they was out of that it contract, fraud, they continued. I feel like they were victims too because they was young yeah and they were struggling yeah they were so is fairy still alive let me see actually you can see let me see because my phone might be dead let me see oh i got 10 percent What was his name? Frank Ferrier? Yeah. Frank the Fraud. Frank the Fraud Ferrier. Frank the Fraud Funkin' the Fraud. Frank the Fraud Ferrier. Faking the phone. So. He is not. He is still alive. Oh my God. And he's 81 years old. Sir, if you are listening, I want you to know you're a terrible person. I said what I said and I said what I said. I don't like it. Because mm. of life is lost, you know? Imagine what may have not happened had all that happened. You're right. Mm-hmm. That's sad because he would have been 56 this year. That's very unfortunate. It's a very unfortunate story. Now I'm sad. It's going to be okay, sis. It's going to be okay. But I also wanted to let anyone, because I know this was a heavy episode. So I wanted to include a disclaimer in here of anybody that is struggling with depression depression or, you know, mental mental health or suicidal thoughts. I really want you to reach out to a crisis or a suicide line and you can always text brave to 741741 or even call 1-800-273-TALK and that's the international line and it goes by country and I will also provide the links in the description as well as our social media and always remember even though it can be hard. 
somebody cares and somebody loves you and somebody needs you, even if you feel like nobody doesn't. Yes. Somebody does. Trust me. Because you know it's true. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we at, you have your fraud always loves you. <laughs> no. no it, it just got weird. <laughs> but seriously, reach out if you need that help. <laughs> but we still waiting for these fraud stories. Yeah. But guess what? If y'all don't send them, we still gonna come at y'all yeah, every with these week. fraud stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So hit us up on the tickety tag. Yeah, and IG. listen to us for free on anywhere you listen to podcasts: Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Anchor. I said Anchor. Anchor. And as for Anchor, <laughs> what? That is a good. Very good platform. Yes, yes it is. That's a, if you if you want to do podcasts, yeah, they're good, really good. Also, where else are we available on Amazon Music too? Did you say Apple? Yeah, I already said Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we're available on pretty much every platform. So be out there, y'all. Look us up and subscribe to us at You Had Me At Front, and we'll be here next week with you had me another oh. scandal. Scandal. You sound scary. Scandal. I can't wait for spooky season. Maybe we'll find some spooky Ooh, frauds. Yes. yes, I can't wait. Can't wait. Well, on that note, y'all have a, a good night, a good day, wherever you're at. A good evening. Bye. Bye. Scam fam. Oh, that's right. Hey, scam fam. (laughs) (laughs) So, guys, we know here at You Have Me at Fraud that our case today involved abuse and also suicide. So we wanted to make some information readily available to our listeners. Um, If you're experiencing any type of crisis, you can always text BRAVE to 741-741. And if you're experiencing suicide, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 273-TALK. Also, we're definitely going to put the information for, because we have a lot of international listeners as well, we're going to put that information for numbers and places they can call in the description. And we hope you guys have a good day, and we'll see you next week. Bye.